Thanks for listening to the Pop Culture Cosmos and the PCC Multiverse. Check out more great podcasts today on one of these awesome affiliate networks. You're listening to a Weeby Geeks Network podcast. You're listening to the ESO Network, your station for all things geek. The Tangibound Network. Check it out. Tangiboundnetwork.com. Listen to this show, the latest episode, every time. A proud member of the Gunna Geek Network. The opinions expressed are those of each individual. Check out all the other geeky podcasts over at GunnaGeekNetwork.com and get ready because geekiness begins in 3, 2, 1. On this week's episode, what's the max for HBO Max? Can Crucible be Amazon's imprint into the video game market? And it's time for the 80s in our top 100 films. All this and more as we reach our next stop, the PCC Multiverse. Don't be alarmed. The quasi-shimmering light before you is a trans-dimensional gateway to other worlds, other voices, other thoughts, and other realities. Up feels like down, and down feels like the number seven on a Wednesday morning. Don't worry. That quivering, blood-boiling sensation under your eyebrows is all a part of the charm. Welcome to the PCC Multiverse. And we're back with another episode of the PCC Multiverse. This is Gerald Glasser from Pop Culture Cosmos, Game Source, Inside Sports Fantasy Football, and the Lakers Fast Break. Thank you so much for listening to all of our great shows. You've been hearing him a lot lately on our shows, and I cannot thank him enough for being a part of it. But stepping in for Josh today, because he's still on assignment for Pop Culture Cosmos, is my good friend. You can catch what he's doing today on the Facebook group, The Hunnic Outcasts. That's The Hunnic Outcasts, H-U-N-N-I-C, and your outcast right there for you. It is Noah Ian Fine. And Noah, thanks again for jumping on. Looking forward to a great show, my friend. Yeah, this is going to be an interesting one. We'll talk more about HBO Max here in a sec. Wanted to go ahead and also let everybody know we're also going to be talking about Amazon's Crucible. Plus mm-hmm. also as well, Jessica Box is back for a part two of her May TV update. And Ben Arnell on the back end is also going to be talking some Star Wars. It's coming up on the back end of the show. And then Noah Ian Fine and I will be back counting down 80 through 89 in our top 100 films. But it is HBO Max, my friend. It's out this week. I know you've had a lot to say already about it as far as HBO Max and the channels. But let me give everyone out there a little bit of a listing of the hubs that they're already using right now. And that is they're going to have, when you subscribe to it, you're going to see about nine hubs. And then it branches off from there with HBO, DC, Sesame Workshop, the classics curated by TCM, a.k.a. Turner Classic Movies. Studio Ghibli, Cartoon Network Collection, the Adult Swim Collection, the Crunchyroll Collection, and Looney Tunes. The anime, what's there is pretty good from what I'm hearing, but it's just not as prevalent yet as what you're seeing on other networks. But they're trying to do what they can to build upon that because they understand that the anime portion of it has been something that I guess a lot of the streaming watchers have been gearing towards too. So that's something of interest right there for you. And then like you talked about with Friends and a lot of other foundational things that are there, can HBO Max 
put a big imprint into the scene, can they go ahead and become a major player right away? Because I see them surpassing what Peacock, what many of these networks can and are doing right now outside of Disney+. And with Disney+, Plus, I think that's another issue altogether. That's something for another day. We'll talk about HBO Max versus Disney+. Plus. But do you see HBO Max being a major competitor in the short term against Netflix? You know what? That's a tough one because Disney Plus, we'll talk about it another time. But I, I guess what it really comes down to what you want to watch and what's available. Because there was this huge argument about Friends being removed from Netflix because it was going to go to another subscription service. Big Bang, I think was on Netflix in the UK, but now I think it's going to HBO Max. So it really depends on what you want to hold on to and watch and what's still worth watching, who owns the rights to what, and why. And that's where things get really confusing because it all comes down to studio rights and contracts expiring and who has more money to say, okay, you come on our service now. So it, it's it's really complex in what you want to see. I have Netflix. I honestly, I don't know what the catalog is anymore because it's so confusing. I don't even know what's on Hulu anymore because the catalog is so confusing because it's always updated and changing and a new service comes out. So that's a tough question because Max, I know what it has has been explained but I don't know now what's going to expire, even if it's not part of Time Warner. Uh, are they still going to – because South Park wasn't part of Time Warner, I don't think. And but they have that for a while. Uh, yeah, least- so so apparently it's like – because I, I don't understand Hollywood law. I probably never will. But all I know is that somehow if you can put it on their service, they'll do it. So the question is – is there anything worth having, especially when Netflix canceled a lot of good shows, a lot of good original shows? I don't know what HBO is really going to have to offer originality-wise because it seems like they're so dependent on all the syndicated shows they're going to offer right now. That's what it's really going to come down to, I feel. Who really has the best original content? Not just the same film because you could always go on Amazon and, and purchase it, or you can go on another service and purchase a movie and purchase it. You know, I, I already have the complete series on Friends on, on Amazon, so I don't really need Max. I, it's really going to come down to original content. And right now, HBO just, I think, has Elmo hosting a TV show. So, I, honestly, again, Netflix, what do they have now that's still original that they haven't canceled? They got rid of a lot of good shows. That's the problem. They still have a lot more, my friend. And, you well, know, the guy that's the clear died, which sucks. Black Mirror, you don't know the status of that. I mean, they want to continue it, but they've been unsure because of coronavirus. I mean, okay. Stranger Things, those are their two highlights. They've got so many other smaller shows that they that are still a backbone of their, their network. Okay. And, of course, the movies – they're really heavily into the the original movies and the movies that they're getting straight. Like the Lovebirds just appeared. That was going to be out for the box office, but that got sent straight to Netflix. It's getting a lot of critical success. But they're also doing a lot of straight-to-their-Netflix movies. Like we've got one coming up with Charlize Theron and quite a few others. So I'm going to tell you right now, for me, I think that you're right. A lot of... Now content, original content, is not yet available on HBO Max. But I think with the advent of HBO Max, it's going to create a new dynamic in the industry. It's going to create another big power player. 
And I think ultimately what it comes down to is going to be a big four because I think CBS All Access, I think Peacock, I think Quibi, and all these other streaming outlets that are a little bit smaller are going to go, I don't say by the wayside, but they're really going to be trounced by a big four of Disney Plus, HBO Max, Amazon Prime, and then of course Netflix. So I'll tell you what, for me, I think it's going to come down to a lot of different variations in the streaming outlets. I mean, Apple Plus is kind of like a wild card. They don't really have the content yet, but you never know what they may acquire or with the money that they have, what they might do to really push this thing. I really don't think that they have done as much yet that they need to do. So we'll wait and see where Apple Plus stands. CBS All Access, not quite big enough. I know Viacom is retooling the Viacom universe, which includes CBS All Access. So CBS All Access may evolve into something else by the end of 2021. Quibi just not connecting yet with viewers enough yet. And then, of course, we're not seeing enough from Peacock, whether it's the free or pay option under their NBC Universal branch yet that might garner enough of a worldwide audience. So right now, to me, outside of Apple Plus, because, again, I think that's a wild card, I think you're going to see a point where it comes down to a big four where you have HBO Max, Amazon Prime, Netflix and Disney Plus and Disney Plus I think at some point in time has to bite the bullet and combine with Hulu possibly even ESPN Plus to combine some sort of full network type experience I think at some point in time they're going to have to go ahead and do that at least share the content more freely on one outlet so I think you're going to go ahead and see those four big entities again mind you seeing Apple Plus as a wild card depending how much time and money they want to go ahead and pushing that product we'll wait and see where that lines up for the big four or five streaming online powers as we go forward and continue watching on streaming outlets and with that everybody else is just going to get bowled over i think so too because the problem comes down to again they couldn't wait to brush out the subscription service they could have just taken, and people were asking why HBO didn't take DC Universe and their content and put it on HBO Max. Or the same thing with Disney Plus and Hulu. You're right, because if you have Hulu, you can attach Disney Plus. I got a coupon where I got three years of it for a third of the price at the because I was part of a website that, that was offering this promotion. But you could technically put... Disney Plus and Hulu and merge it into one thing. There's no reason why you can't. But again, it, it what what's baiting everybody, I think, what baited me pretty much for Disney Plus was their original programming with what they're doing with Marvel. What Disney Plus also was offering was a great Star Wars series, The Mandalorian, as well as Falcon and Bucky. And let's not forget, with DC, they did have Swamp Thing until I don't know what they're doing now with that because I think it's going to the CW, and I think they're trying to bring that back. Uh, they could put this on HBO Max, and I don't even know what they're doing the Harley Quinn show because now they put it on Sci-Fi. It's all so clustered, but you know what? I got the series. I got I got HBO Max because there was another promotion. If you got it a week in advance, you got it for eleven dollars a month instead of fifteen for a year. It's not a bad deal. It, it's not that terrible. But again, it's all going to come down to now. You're right. What are the big three going to be now? I, I think CBS Access. They tried to bring back Twilight Zone, and again, I don't. 
it, it didn't really turn out the way I think, um, you know, Jordan hoped it would, or, you know, I, I guess we'll find out down the road because it, I can go on and on and on about these subscription services and just want to stick with HBO Max. It's still new. I think it's very pricey, it. though. The yeah, thing is also with the pricey, it is already, it's actually a little bit more expensive for most people than Netflix. So yeah. that's obviously not a good option to start off with. I think they should have started off, you know, right around nine ninety nine for starters, and then you kick up the price, like most of these outlets will at some point in time. But they already know that they're on the level, and they already believe that they're on the level already with Netflix and Disney Plus, and see them as as their their eye to eye competitors. Other competitors like Peacock and CBS All Access, and the many others that are out there unfortunately i think are going to fall far behind you know what because they don't have the rights or they keep canceling shows left and right before they really get a chance because or network executive just won't like it there are shows that do very well in the ratings and they do well uh with critics and they and they win a golden globe or an emmy here or there but a network executive can just say yeah and snap his fingers and that's that i mean look I mean, I hate to bring up Fox, but there was a great lineup at Fox once upon a time, and the studio heads just said, no, we're canceling this and we're getting rid of that. That's what it comes down to as well. So, like I said, my prediction is going to be the three that are going to remain are probably going to be Netflix, Disney Plus will probably combine who own everything into one thing, and maybe HBO Max because it's Warner Brothers, but I guess we'll have to wait and see on that one. We will have to wait and see, but there's more interesting news always coming out with the advent and the debut of HBO Max. We'd love to hear your thoughts on HBO Max. Is it something you're going to get? Is it something you have already? We'd love to hear your initial thoughts on HBO Max as it becomes a, or as it starts out and wanting to become a big player in the streaming industry. We want to hear your thoughts on HBO Max. Please let us know. PopCultureCosmos at Yahoo.com. Well, my friend, before we head to the break at Jessica Boggs and her second part of her May TV update, I want to get your thoughts real quick. Amazon, another big entity. We're already talking about one big entity with HBO Max and Warner Brothers and all that stuff. And now we're talking about Amazon. And just last week debuted their footprint, I guess, into the video game industry with the free-to-play game Crucible. I've watched it quite a bit. So far, I've actually gone ahead and you know interacted with it a little bit. And with Amazon's Crucible, I'm just going to tell you right now, my friend, the reviews have not been very kind. My initial impressions are, I think, that it looks more like a combination of Monster Hunter and also as well Anthem that was done by Bioware. To me, it has that look. It has that feel. There's some other subtle things that it brings to the gaming industry right now as far as the essence and, and how you you go ahead and interact with it and how it builds you up, your character, before you go ahead and hunt monsters. But it is something that a lot of people are getting interested in more and more with the customization factors and, of course, the free-to-play enticement. But it's only available on PC right now, which is going to hold it back if it wants to go ahead and become a major player you know, against the likes of Fortnite, Apex Legends, etc., etc., etc. So I want to ask your thoughts on Crucible from Amazon. Do you think it's going to become a major game in the video game industry? Here's the problem. I saw the reviews for it. I saw the clips of it. 
the way that you could play this, even though it's from Amazon, if you have a Steam account, you could play through your Steam account. But the problem comes down to this, is that I don't really see Amazon cornering the video game market, and they seem to be playing it safe for the game right now, that unfortunately, I'm not a huge fan of third-person or first-person shooters. I'm not a huge fan of Fortnite, not a huge fan of Call of Duty. I'll play them every now and then. I'm not great at them. Not my cup of tea. I don't really see how this is going to help corner anything. But what I'm asking is, you know, I, I understand it may not be your type of game or whatnot, but with Amazon and their weight that they can potentially find it because they're, what, one of the biggest companies in the entire world. If they want to, they can push this game and a competitor to what we see right now with Roblox, with Minecraft which just debuted its Minecraft Dungeon spinoff recently, Apex Legends, Fortnite, if people really latch onto it. But the thing is, Amazon support, it has the platform to do so, especially the fact that they now have their association Twitch and all that. They really have to support it. The question is, will they? That's the thing. I don't see it. I see this being like a tax write-off. I, I don't really see them supporting it. They really weren't advertising it that much. I heard about it a couple of days ago. No, I think this is just going to be a come-and-go type of thing. The same thing with Google trying to – when they, when they were a big search engine, they tried to put together uh, whatever it was for their video game system. So, no, I, I think Amazon is just good as brick and mortar but not trying to be a video game publishing company or, or trying to promote anything video game-wise. And that would be a shame if that's the case because when you go to Amazon right now, you don't see it on the front page on the splash screen. That's something that they need to promote every single time. They need to, that's all over the place for it. And the thing is that they're not as of yet. Now, I, maybe it's just because of early return and they're gauging the way the fans feel about it and gamers out there to maybe make some tweaks and things of that nature to seeing how much they like it. So we'll see how much weight they put behind it. But being one of the largest entities in the entire world, if they want to, they could push it to the moon. The question is, will they? And right now the answer is no, but it could change for the better for gamers out there if it's something that they really latch on to. I feel that when you try to go into a market that's not really familiar to you just because you want to make some more money, you really have to have the passion, and unfortunately, Amazon is a lot of things. A video game publisher, a video game company, no, I don't see it happening with them. And Crucible, the advanced word has not been kind to this game so far. I think there's still a lot of work that needs to be done. The reviews have been eh at best, sometimes even below that. So before we get into really saying Crucible can become a power player in the industry, Yes, it has to be pushed by Amazon, but it has to become a good product first. Right now, I see it as a kind of hybrid between Anthem and Monster Hunter. And I think between those two, it's not just the greatest mix in the world that we're seeing yet. Right now, it's only on a PC platform. We'll see where it evolves from there because in order to get to the big players such as Roblox, Minecraft with its new offshoot Minecraft Dungeons, Apex Legends, and of course Fortnite... Call of Duty Warzone and more. I mean, so you got to go ahead and become a big player in the industry. Now, their Twitch association really helps, but before you go ahead and say, hey, it's got to be a player, they got to get the game up to snuff. 
And right now, I don't think they're there yet. But with a lot of work and a lot of time, if they do spend it on that game and promoting it properly, there's an outside chance they could become a big player in the video game industry. What are your thoughts out there on Amazon's Crucible? Please let us know your thoughts. PopCultureCosmos at Yahoo.com Well, coming up next, it's Jessica Boggs in part two of her May TV update. Then right after that, Ben Arnault is talking some Star Wars and where he's at as far as a fan with the Star Wars television and, and film projects. And then coming up on the back end of the show, it's Noah and I coming right back at you here with our countdown of 80 to 89 in our top 100 films that you fans voted out there from the Pop Culture Cosmos. This is the PCC Multiverse. For the latest news and information, analysis and opinions on the Los Angeles Lakers and the NBA, check out the Lakers Fast Break podcast today on wherever you get your podcasts. All right, and we're back with the show and the second part of our made TV update because another major network has made decisions on what shows they're keeping and what shows they're not. And I'm so happy about one of them. One of them I get to go ahead and go ahead and tease my friends at the tvratingsguide.com because they had earmarked this show for most likely cancellation. So I get to tease them coming up in a second. But first, she is back once again. <laughs> yeah, the hint, hint is right. Hint, hint is right. <laughs> but first, once again, it is the great place known as the TVRatingsGuide.com. you got to go ahead and check out all the great things they're doing, including renewed cancel indexes, which 99% of the time, they're usually right on. So everybody goes ahead and checks out what shows that are likely leaning towards cancellation, what likely are leaning towards renewal. Then also as well, the great original shows, reviews of popular television shows that are out there, and so much more. you got to check out what they're doing today at the TVRatingsGuide.com. But it all starts with their lead writer, Jessica Boggs. Jessica, thanks for coming back for part two. And yes, hint, hint, it's Stumptown for ABC among a, a vast majority of the shows. I'm just going to say right off the bat. I'm assuming mo- the majority of the shows, including Stumptown, the decision was made because of COVID. I'm thinking it's not just that, but I feel like the general trend seems to be that in-house productions are going to get a boost. Okay. I mean, we all had this gut feeling Stumptown was going to get renewed for a profits versus ratings standpoint rather than ratings. Because they've done also well during the three and seven day delayed. I told we were going on and on about how well they were doing, not at the original point of viewing, but delayed viewing. They were one of the top shows on there. Which I don't think it gets the blame in this situation. So ABC decided to cancel the Wednesday comedies, single parents and schooled. So the Wednesday comedy block is pretty much donezo on ABC, but we'll see how that goes. Okay. All right. Like well, I said, Stumptown was one of the 11 shows that got renewed. Among the other shows that were renewed were, I'll give you the list right here for everyone out there, American Housewife, The Bachelor, Blackish, 
the Connors, Dancing with the Stars, the Goldbergs, A Million Little Things, Mixedish, The Rookie, Shark Tank, of course I said Stumptown, Who Wants to Be a Millionaire, and for the 500th season in a row, 2020, <laughs> and I'm just kidding on that, but they've been on forever, seemingly, and these shows join what they're talking about with the other shows that are being previously renewed. Grey's Anatomy is already renewed. Station 19, The Good Doctor, America's Funniest Home Videos. Funny how that show's still around. And only part of it is on Disney+, Plus, which is so weird. American Idol and The Bachelorette were already previously renewed. So, And then Supermarket Sweep, which is going to be hosted by Leslie Jones. That was given a summer time frame for next year. Oh, yes. So... For mid-season decisions have yet to be made for life and the Baker and the Beauty, mm-hmm. which my guess is this will probably be an inclusive or type situation in which you can see both getting renewed, one getting renewed, or both getting canceled. Mm-hmm. In addition, ABC ordered two new shows to join its lineup, which would be The Big Sky and Call Your Mother. The latter show stars... Kira Sedgwick as an empty nester mom who wonders how she ended up alone while her children live their best lives thousands of miles away. That's one thing I wanted to ask you is there's only, like you said, as of this point in time, two shows that were added on by the network. That is an extremely low number, and it all leads back to the, all those shows being renewed by ABC. COVID could be part of the reason, but I also think as well that ABC is on an uptick as far as their ratings are concerned. I think there's a little bit of more hope there than the doom and gloom you and I have been reporting on since actually we first started talking about this because ABC was on a downswing on its ratings for years. I think there's a sign of hope for people, uh, for fans out there of ABC. Yeah, but you can also look at it from a profits standpoint too, especially since Blackish is in syndication and. American Housewife may be getting ready to be in syndication. And so it also depends on the deals. And NBC is another network that we're kind of on the fence on and not sure of exactly 100% which shows that are committing to. So NBC, I want to hear your thoughts on exactly which shows that you think, or some of which, which I'm sure have already gotten renew already, like This Is Us and a couple others, that are pretty much a, a done deal for renewal. But there, for a lot of others, they're still up in the air. So I'd like to hear your thoughts on which ones you think will be renewed. Well, I most of the shows eh, I really don't think will get renewed. Though it seems like the longer it goes for NBC, the more uncertain that their fates are going to be. And so the full shows that were renewed were given multi-season renewals, like Law & Order SVU and everything else. And they've already renewed Good Girls, and they did not renew any of the other shows like Zoe's Extraordinary Playlist. So basically, the only show that they renewed out of the mid-season shows so far is good girls and judging from the wall and its performance it's doing terrible i mean it hit a new series low of a point two and the one that they count as a special did actually better than the actual original episode so that's bad news for 
the wall in general. And one of the things I wanted to ask you, could Peacock or HBO Max be somewhat in the way? Because obviously Peacock's tie into Universal and all the NBC shows, but there's a little bit sprinkling of NBC shows in HBO Max as well. Oh yeah, it could be a little bit of both because Peacock's release has been delayed. Mm -hmm. Whereas HBO Max is on time. And a lot of these shows were already produced for HBO Max. Okay. It's just okay, we're okay. still waiting on the release date for Peacock at this point. Well, I'll tell you what, there's a lot to talk about, especially, like I said, for NBC that still has yet to make some final decisions. I think their their association with Peacock and what they want to go ahead and keep long term for that outlet and is is weighing heavily on what they're going to go ahead doing forward. These streaming networks that they're all popping up around this time, I don't think it's a coincidence that all this stuff is happening right around the time these networks, these streaming networks are, are coming into vogue as well. So I know HBO Max is now out uh, as we as we talk about this, and they're going to weigh a heavy factor. Peacock, to a lesser extent, I think, because they just don't have as much in the library that's appealing to everyone out there, although they're going to have a lot more free content that's available than what HBO Max would provide. HBO Max wants to hit you hard with a lot of great things that are going to try and compare with Netflix. They're comparing, of course, on the price, of course, but we'll have to see on the content. But yeah, there's a lot to think about when it comes to what shows on broadcast television are going to remain around as we see more and more invested into the streaming markets going forward. Well, I'll tell you what, Jessica Boggs, it's just been great having you on the show. Anything you're working on, your podcast or any articles that you're working on before we head on out? Well, we do have TVRGO shows in the pipeline, and we also have Summer Running Cancel in the pipeline. And... I'm still doing a little bit of experimentation on the podcast and see what topics I'm going to cover besides television. Well, there you go. Stay that, tuned for that. Stay tuned for that indeed on Jessica's show, which you can get on Anchor, Spotify, and Apple Podcasts, and pretty much every major podcast app that's out there. It's a great listen. You got to go ahead and check her show out wherever she goes ahead and drops a new episode. That's Jessica's show. And of course, check out her work today at thetvratingsguide.com. This is a part two for your May TV update, but I cannot thank you enough, and I will be seeing you in June right here at the Pop Culture Cosmos. Coming soon, Zero Cool Films presents Action Figure Adventure. Super Collector Jay Bartlett hits the road once again in search of action figures, most iconic and noteworthy and rare figures, all in the name of creating the most ultimate action figure auction ever. He fronts the cash, the charity benefits in the end. What will he get, how will he get it, and how well will he do? Find out November 1st, 2020. Well, not to go ahead and forget about anything when I'm here with my good friend Ben Arnell, I want to go ahead and talk to you about a little bit about the ongoing universe for Star Wars because we hear so much going on within the realm of the Star Wars movies, the television shows. I mean, something is added, something is dropped seemingly every week. The latest thing that was mentioned was not only a Taika Waititi-directed film, in the Star Wars universe, 
but I've heard that they're talking about possibly even a Boba Fett series, which has been talked again, off and on again. But now that Boba Fett's appearing in The Mandalorian, that could be a possibility. There's the Gabriel Luna series that that's still kind of up in the air as far as whether or not he's going to do something that was a prequel to Rogue One. There's so many different things that they're talking about within the realm of the Star Wars universe, especially from the TV side because of the success of The Mandalorian. How does that make you feel, my friend? I am so excited. I cannot even tell you just how excited I am. The Mandalorian is the best thing I've seen in such a long time. And I'm, I'm going to say that I actually, I think it's fair to say that, that I enjoyed The Mandalorian more than the three new movies. So The, the Force Awakened, Last Jedi, and uh, Rise of Skywalker. The, I uh, am in that same, same ship. I can't say boat because we're stuck in Star Wars. So I'm in that same ship with you, my friend. I like that. Nice, nice. Yeah, so I, the, the first time I watched Rise of Skywalker, I really enjoyed it in the cinema. And then we rewatched it at home and I went, Oh yeah, I can see all the all the holes in this. But I love the Mandalorian. Talking about Boba Fett, you, you just mentioned Boba Fett before. The last thing I read, it was just yesterday, was that um, it was not going to be actually going to be Boba Fett in the armor. It was going to be Timothy. Uh, is it Hutton from Justified? Is that his surname? Oh no, Oliphant. Uh, Timothy yes. Oliphant. Yes. Um, from from Justified is going to be wearing Boba Fett's armor. So I think they're going to pull a, pull a bit of a bait and switch there. In but that, the actor in they got show. from uh, Star Wars, the Clone Wars, uh, Star Wars, the um, rise, of, you know, the Star Wars, the clones from the original, uh, the, the prequel Jimmy trilogy. Morrison. Yeah. He's actually going to be involved as well. Well, that's what I read. That was the first thing I read. But then the last thing that I read yesterday said that, said that it wasn't, it was going to be just going to be Timothy Oliphant wearing Boba Fett's armor. And I mean, that, that's a pretty big rewrite if you're going to change from Tamara Morrison to Timothy Oliphant. So I'd, I assume that to mean that it would be someone else, like some character has stolen his armor or which, which in, in itself, that could be, a, could be quite an interesting storyline because their, their armor and their helmets and things are so steeped in their cultural traditions that it might like that, that guy in that armor, that armor might become the MacGuffin that, uh, that 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 Mando's going to go chasing across the universe for because uh, Timothy Oliphant shouldn't be wearing it because he's not a Mandalorian. Blah 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 blah. Well, the thing is, though, he has to. They have to ex- explain how he gets out of the monster, the sand monster, in the first place. Now, my son has been just marathoning YouTube videos on this, um, but the problem is he hasn't sort of worked out um, how YouTube doesn't necessarily display videos in times of publishing order so he'll he'll he actually has all this story all down pat but it's all jumbled i've actually got to sit down with him and just uh and just try and work it all out um but yeah it's um there didn't didn't that actually happen in a in a canon comic it might have happened in a canon comic but i'm not sure because you don't know exactly what is taking place with the whole universe because some at one minute it could be say they say it's it's in there and then next minute they they'll delete it all out as far as what star wars or lucasfilm is doing at this time i mean it's so difficult to explain how many people actually are reading the star wars comics so that's another thing that people need to to think about is that yeah it happens in the comics but how many people are actually that are going to see the Star Wars movies are actually reading what takes place within the realm of the, of the comic books itself? 
But um, no, look, I'm I'm super excited for anything to do with the Mandalorian. Taika Waititi uh, Star Wars film, I think, is going to be just awesome. I would actually, you know what? I think he would make a great director if they were brave enough to do a um, solo sequel, because I'd I could see him working with that kind of that that scruffy nerf herder character of of young Han Solo and getting himself in and out of scrapes and all that sort of stuff. I can see um, Taiki Waititi handling that character very well. That'd be a tough one because I, I don't think Lucasfilm really wants anything more to do with the solo after the miserable returns of that original movie. See, I, I liked it. I thought it was okay. I, yeah. I, you know, that to me, I thought it was okay. I get, there's, there's some things I would chop out, but for the most part, I thought the movie itself was okay. But again, you and I know at the end of the day, it's all about numbers and Solo's poor performance at the box office will probably necessitate, even though it set itself up for a sequel, will probably necessitate never getting a sequel of its own. Mm, yeah, yeah. And personally, I'm, I'm, I'm kind of sad about that. Um, but yeah, so there was, uh, there was the Taika Waititi film. I, I'll, I'll go and watch that just because it's ta- uh, Taika Waititi. Um, what, the way he turned around Thor... I just thought was just brilliant because I did not care about Thor at all. And the, the, the actor is just from down, he's from just down the road from me. He's about an hour's drive away. And I just didn't care, didn't care at all. And, uh, but I saw, uh, Thor, the third one and, uh, love it. I think I've watched it three or four times. Ragnarok is very, very funny. Very enjoyable. Yeah. Yeah. So, so I wanted to ask you more on the Boba Fett issue. It's like you Mm. said, because has to be explained somewhat that he got out of the Sarlacc because, you know, the Sarlacc's digesting people over X amount of years. years or... yeah, thousands of years. Yeah, it's just yeah. very painful death and all that. But if that's the case in Timothy Oliphant, uh, who, like I said, I, I heard he, he was going to be involved in The Mandalorian too, but I wasn't sure which. If he's going to be involved in that armor, that's, that's a change in dynamic I didn't think a lot of people were expecting. Well, now... I have noticed that there is a hell of a lot of clickbait articles going around about Star Wars at the moment. So I have seen all sorts of things. I've seen things saying that um, that uh, Luke Skywalker isn't gone, that there's going to be more Luke Skywalker movies, that the, that the Skywalker saga isn't actually finished now at nine, that they're going to do more, and, and, then other, and, and then other articles saying, no, that's not going to happen. And it's, um, so I, I think that the... That the that the Star Wars media, the Star Wars bloggers, the Star Wars YouTubers, I think they're really having a field day with all the attention that, that Star Wars is getting at the moment. I mean, I even saw something the other day that said that Karen Kennedy was out, she was fired, and Disney was hiring George Lucas to come back to try and revive and, and, solve, and solve all these Star Wars problems. And I was thinking to myself, man, what, what do you get, $4 billion or something? Like... You you just wave goodbye and uh, yeah see you, see you later. I'm I'm gonna go jump on a starship and go start the first base on Mars or something like. <laughs> you know he's got four billion dollars in his pocket. He, like he's not gonna worry about coming back to because he's upset about the Luke Skywalker story how that ended. And that's and that's a problem now you see because of the diminishing returns, with Rise of Skywalker making just barely over a billion dollars, which would be great for a lot of other movies. But when your first movie in this trilogy made $2 billion, half of what you're doing now is really just something that they have to look at down the road. So I want to ask you this, diminishing returns within the Star Wars universe, 
which means people are getting less and less excited for it, which means there's going to be less and less people like your son who's so excited for Star Wars in his age, in his age group. What does Star Wars need to do? What does Lucasfilm need to do in order to go ahead and bring those people back so that they will be coming back at the end of this decade and into the next one as well? Well, we um, we spoke earlier about um, about Justice League and investing in characters and storytelling and the success of The Mandalorian and the the way that they've demonstrated that they can spend that time writing good script for good characters and put that time into developing those characters. I think they've got a real opportunity. You know, there's there's apparently there's a an Ahsoka um, spin-off coming as well. She's going to make an appearance in, in in season two, which is really cool. They've got the potential to use this television format to re-excite, to re-energize people in the Star Wars franchise. I mean, I I loved Force Awakens. I thought Last Jedi. I was like, oh, okay, that's that's really different. I didn't I didn't hate it, but I I still really have an issue with just knocking off Snoke like he was nobody. Um, and then. The, the rise of Skywalker, I really didn't like the, the little romance line in that. And that they built Rey up to be this really strong, fierce female character. And that was what I liked about her. And then, oh, no, no, she, she still needs to get the kiss from the boy at the end of the movie. And, like, that was just a bit... Uh, anyway, I think I'm not the only one to have those um, disappointments, really. I, I don't think I'm the only one to... to to share those disappointments, but I think that the that the the way they handled the Mandalorian, the way they invested that that storytelling time into those characters, if they can duplicate those successes in these other spin-off shows, you know, how good would it be if they actually made a decision and did the Obi Wan show? They've been teasing that for so long. I look at Mandalorian and how good that was, and I just think, wow, if you could get um, Obi Wan show to be as good as that. That would just be incredible. Now, whether or not you could get Ewan McGregor into a TV show within well, the budget. He was agreeing on it before COVID. That's all I know. Oh, okay. Yeah. So he, he was agreeable to it. I know that. Oh, okay. Yeah, yeah. Well, that. Well, that's good. That's good. That's a, But the that, thing is, is, it, is right it was going in the right direction, but then I hear delays. I hear more delays. I hear there's a set date. Then I... Your production that's be going, you know, either late this year, early next year. Then I hear it's being pushed back. So even with Ian McGregor's, you know, um, being wanting to be a part of it, it just seems like Star Wars, Lucasfilm, they are not putting it as high up on their list as far as things they want to push out there. Maybe it's an apprehension from what they've seen from Solo. I'm not quite sure. Yeah, it could be, could be. I mean, I guess the, I, I guess that by um by being i don't know brave and starting with brand new characters like like mando you've you've got no expectations to have to live up to um or to build on from you can you can start at zero and you can build up with brand new characters i guess like if i put the shoe on the other foot i look at it from the other angle you got a legendary character like like obi-wan he's a lot of people's favorite characters and you know did i lose you ben oh i'm sorry I was just I the first hiccup of our entire conversation. So sorry, internet hiccup. So go ahead, you're good now. Um, how far back do I need to go? Oh, ten, uh, twenty seconds. That's it. Okay. 
Um, I think that they've really proven with, with The Mandalorian that they've got the ability to start with brand new characters. It was, it was quite brave, I thought, to, to take, their, take their first swing at a TV show with, with the brand new character of, of Mando. And it was fantastic. They just wrote that character really well. Um, the actress who was the supporting, uh, Gina Carano, the, the UFC fighter that has come in, I was skeptical because I've, I've only seen her in one film before and I thought, okay, you know, she's, she can certainly like pull off an action scene, but she's not, I still not there yet on acting, even in the Mandalorian. She's still Dina Carano. Yeah. 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 Um, but I mean, you know, you, you look at the rock, the rock was always the rock for like 10 years and he, but he's worked on it and yeah. Anyway, different discussion. They started with brand new characters. They've built them out. They've fleshed them out. They've told their stories. If you were to try and do an Obi-Wan story, Obi-Wan's got so much legend around him, the character, not necessarily Ewan McGregor, but the character has so much legend around him. He's got 40 years worth of history there. People's expectations for that show are going to be you know, through the ceiling. And yeah. if you don't hit it, then we'll see the same problem with Solo, as you said before. So on the one hand, I would love to see the Obi-Wan show. I'd love to see it. But I can see the logic in building up new characters and telling new stories as well. I'll tell you what, Ben, I just am in agreement with you. I just would love to see where this universe is going to go. But there's so many questions coming off the success of the Mandalorian and the failure, relatively speaking, of the rise of Skywalker. One last thing to talk about with the Star Wars universe and speaking of successes, the successful end to a great series known as Star Wars, the Clone Wars. Uh, which just ended its run on Disney Plus with its final season with some of the highest and most acclaimed episodes of the entire series. And it really ended on a great note. There were some outstanding episodes in, involved in that last season. So I want to hear your thoughts about actually going back into animation for the series. Do you think it's something that they should delve back into because they've had so much success now with this final season of Star Wars The Clone Wars? Look, I think that there's definitely potential there. And if they've got great stories they want to tell, but not necessarily the budget to put it to film like Mandalorian, then absolutely do it in animation. Um, I mean, that, that show, what, there's 10 seasons now or something of, of The Clone Wars? 10? Well, I think roughly, yeah. For an animated show, that's, that's huge. That's, yeah. that's massive. I mean, Archer's not even a 10. Um, <laughs> <laughs> it, hopefully it will be. Oh, God, I hope so. I love Archer so much. You and I both. Although you the, and I both. The, the last season, it was starting to show its age. It's actually seven seasons for Star Wars Clone Wars. Oh, is it? Yeah, only seven. Okay, sorry. I must oh, be no confusing worries. it with, with, with something else. Uh, hey, it's, it, nothing can beat The Simpsons, though. Yeah, what are they up to, 34 or something now? Some ungodly number. I lose yeah. track. <laughs> South, South Park, same thing, and... Now a family guy and, and uh, is getting into that territory where there's that many seasons. So if you, you can strike it while it's hot. I understand why Star Wars The Clone Wars, it ended its run back there on Disney and Disney XD and all that. But it found a new life on Disney+. Plus. It got over so well. Some of the best episodes, way to finish off. I think there is a future, like you said, for stories within the realm of the Star Wars universe that you don't want to tell in a live-action format. And I hope this will not be the only time we see a Star Wars 
animated feature that's brought new to Disney Plus sometime soon. Well, there's there's definitely opportunity for for growth and development there. I mean, um, Ahsoka was in that show, and now we're seeing her appearing in in live action in in Mandalorian, and it's Rosario Dawson. Yes, I, I would love to see a General Thrawn. Yes. Yeah that that would be a good storyline. Yeah, yeah. So it's it's just something we'd have to wait and see. But overall, as a Star Wars fan, and you've talked so much about it earlier when we were talking about Star Wars, The Empire Strikes Back in our in its 40th anniversary, how much love you have for the series. Going forward, are you still as big a fan of the actual franchise itself now, or is it has it changed because of the uneven success, highs and lows that we've seen in the past five years? If it weren't for The Mandalorian, my excitement would be lower for more Star Wars stuff. Ha- having seen... The decline, I mean, Force Awakens came out and I was here. Oh, hang on, I'm off screen, I'm off camera, there. And then we sort of went to Last Jedi, whoop, and then Rise of Skywalker, whoop, and then Mandalorian sort of brought it back up again. So that's kind of what I was alluding to before, is that, the, is that there's the potential there for these live-action TV shows to kind of save the franchise, in my opinion. Well, I tell you what, I'm hoping that's the case. I mean... Their future, like you said, could be built upon the small uh, on the small screen before it gets built back up onto the big screen. And I'm hoping there's a future. I mean, Kevin Feige has been talked about producing. He's something he's always wanted to be a part of the Star Wars universe. Like we were talked about earlier, Taika Waititi becoming a part of the Star Wars universe. All these other big name writers that seemingly come in and out of projects. Big name directors being attached every now and then. The future is there. It just depends on if Lucasfilm can bring it all together and allow these directors and these talented individuals to tell the stories that we would love to see in the Star Wars universe. Yeah, for sure. Well, my friend, it's been great talking to you. Once again, it's Ben Arnault from the Smoking Hot Confessions Experience. I cannot just say .com. I cannot just say podcast. I cannot just say game show. I cannot just say social media. I cannot just say merchandise. I got to say experience when it comes to Smoking Hot Confessions. If I formally add the word experience to the end of it, do you think Spotify will pay me $100 million? I hope so, my friend. At least (laughs) one of us should be making that kind of money. My goodness. Or the ringer. They can call me the Pop Culture Cosmos ringer, and they can buy that too. How about that? Yeah, there you go. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I'll take the Bill Simmons money. You can take the, the Joe Rogan money. Like I was saying to another podcaster the other day, doesn't matter to me as long as Spotify's writing the checks. We'll package our shows together so we negotiate a, a, a better deal. Sounds good to me, my friend. <laughs> Sounds good to me. Once again, it's Ben Arnault. Ben, it's just truly great once again to have you part of the pop culture cosmos. If you need your video game fix, be sure to check out Retro City Games. Located in Town Square on Las Vegas Boulevard or in Henderson, Nevada, Retro City Games has the cure for all your video game vices. Retro games and games for current consoles, Nintendo, Sega, PlayStation, Xbox, and more. Retro City Games has all the staples from any library and some highly collectible offerings too. So pick up a few games today at Retro City Games in Town Square on Las Vegas Boulevard or in Henderson, Nevada. Retro City Games is your video game metropolis. And we're back to close out the show. This is the PCC Multiverse. want to thank Jessica Boggs from the TV Ratings Guide and Ben Arnault from Smoking Hot Confessions. Cannot thank them enough for joining us on today's program. But Noah, he's back again. Cannot thank you enough for joining us on the show as well. But before we head on out, 
We're doing 80 to 89 on our countdown. That's right, our countdown of the top 100 films that you voted on from the Pop Culture Cosmos. And you and I both actually had a list there as well that was counted in there. So some of our films are on this top 100 list. I want to go ahead and get the list started off right now at number 89. And we'll start off with Watchmen. So tell me your thoughts on the original movie that came out in 2009's Watchmen. Yep, 2009. I, I remember this vaguely because this is before the internet became the internet. And, and this was discussed. So when Watchmen finally came out, I saw the preview. I was hooked, but then when I saw the film, the problem with that is that Zack Snyder just took every panel of, of the comic book and did reenactment. Number 88 on our list is a movie that Josh is very familiar with. It's one of his favorites, and I know it gets a lot of pub out there as far as being the only other good Alien movie outside of Alien itself, and that is Alien. So I want to hear your thoughts on Aliens, and to quote Bill Paxton, We're screwed, man! We're screwed! Aliens should be in a class by itself. It's not even so much as a sequel as it just felt really more like a, a recall. Like it, 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 it's, I don't know how to describe it, but it's definitely in a class by itself. And I think it should be a little bit higher on this list, but that's just me. Number 87 is as good as it gets. It's one of those stories where you really haven't caught up with the times and you want to take a 1970 premise or a 1980 premise and put it in the late nineties. And it just did not work as well as I guess James L. Brooks was hoping for. And so the movie I've seen one time and that was more than enough. It just wasn't as good as it got. Number 86 is another Jack Nicholson movie, the classic Chinatown. So your thoughts on Chinatown. Okay, stop everything now. Go watch this movie. And you know what? Go watch the Two Jakes as well. It's sequel. They don't make movies like this anymore. And I'm kind of disappointed that this is way too high on this list. This is Jack Nicholson at his best. Enough said. Number 85 is one of Pixar's best, in my opinion. And that's Coco. I think I get to a certain point now where it seems like every year we were getting a CGI movie and it was most likely Pixar and it most likely was going to win the Oscar. And every now and then something that wasn't Pixar was actually a good CGI or you know whatever the case may be animated wise. And it was still going to go to Pixar and it got monotonous. Coco, you know, to quote Roger Ebert and Gene Siskel, it's a good movie, just not a great one. Number 84 is Darkman. Darkman, I have not seen in a long time, but I have fond memories of it. So you tell me your thoughts on number 84's Darkman. I could have seen this as a TV series. Now, there are some sequels. I don't think Raimi is part of those sequels. I know Liam Neeson isn't part of them. There was also a video game. It's Sam Raimi as Sam Raimi being Sam Raimi without studio execs getting in his way. And I think he enjoys that. That's Darkman, the 1990 film. That's at number 84 on our list of the top 100 pop culture Cosmo films as voted on by you. Drag Me to Hell is at number 83. So tell me a little bit more, Mr. Horror Aficionado of Pop Culture Cosmos, about Drag Me to Hell, our number 83 pick for the top 100. Well, this is another Sam Raimi classic. 
it's got an interesting twist ending, but it, it comes down to this. Title gave it away, the poster gave it away, but still, it's an interesting horomity, and it's it's very sarcastic, very witty. The movie pretty much came out of nowhere. It, it's another one that's a guilty pleasure. So, yeah, definitely check this one out. Number 82 is the classic Fantasia from Disney. Uh, classic, you know what? I like Fantasia 2000 more because the segments got a lot better and the music was a lot better. I think the only thing anybody's really going to remember about the original Fantasia are Sorcerer's Apprentice and Bald Mountain. That's pretty much it. Anything else, it just feels like it drags so... If I were you, just stick with the the updated version. It, it was more colorful, and definitely the choices music-wise were a lot better than its predecessor. Number 81, it's a movie that's inspired many mob movies since, and that is Goodfellas. So tell me a little bit more about your experiences with Goodfellas. This is another quotable film. If, if only I could do with Joe Pesci's voice. You know, I think people were upset that this was the movie... I know it got nominated, I believe, for Best Picture, but didn't win. And lost the Dances of Wolves, but people were also upset that Godfather 3 didn't win. You know, I'm kind of glad that Scorsese didn't win right away, and, and I'm glad Joe Pesci got the Oscar for this film. I'm not taking anything away from the Godfather trilogy, but Goodfellas pretty much took that trilogy and put it into close to a three-hour film, and it's one of those movies that it's like it's life lesson learning time. I guess I would compare this to like a Cecil B. DeMille movie, if that makes any sense. But yeah, that that's pretty much very underrated, underappreciated mob film. But that leaves us with 80. It's the final number on our list that we're going to count down this week. And again, you'll be seeing these lists on our popculturecosmos.com website and also as well in up, upcoming episodes, at least one countdown per week on our shows, The Pop Culture Cosmos or PCC Multiverse. <laughs> Depends on how it goes with the news and for pop culture. But number 80 is Green Book, the Oscar winner and one of the most acclaimed movies of recent memory. I'm sure there were reasons why it won the Oscar, but it, it didn't win the Oscar without its controversy. So unfortunately, should it be on the list? Matter of opinion. I found it a little bit more enjoyable than you did. I think it centers around the, the two great performances in the film from Mahershala Ali and, of course, Viggo Mortensen. I think that's, for me, what it was all about. You might want to argue about the pacing or anything else around it, but for me, it was a performance piece, and I think that's why it got the acclaim it did because of the two outstanding performances that were in the film. And that is number 80, and that is Green Book. If you want to go ahead and check out our previous list, go ahead and check out our Pop Culture Cosmos channel on podcast outlets everywhere where it's on one of our previous episodes. You'll be able to check out 90 to 100 countdown that we did last week. Next week, like I said, will be a countdown of our 70 to 79 on our top 100 films as voted upon by our followers of the Pop Culture Cosmos. It's been a great episode, Noah. I cannot thank you enough for joining us. Once again, it's Noah Ian Fine of the Hunnic Outcasts. Any last thoughts going on, my friend? I will be doing a live Facebook chat with my old partners in crime from Hunter Queen. We are going to be discussing possibly one of the most underrated DC comic book 
series, The Scoop Apocalypse, where in an alternate universe, Mystery Inc. and Scooby-Doo were part of the zombie apocalypse. So Kendra, Edward, and myself will be talking about it in a few weeks, as well as I finally got into Supernatural, and there was a Scooby-Doo episode called Scoop Natural. That was interesting. We're going to be talking about that as well sometime in June. We're going to be setting it up on our Facebook group page, The Hunnic Outcasts, and whatever I save, I'll possibly put it on the Hunnic Ween Facebook page as well. That's coming up on The Hunnic Outcasts. you got to be part of the conversation today at The Hunnic Outcasts. Well, my friend, it's been great having you on the show. I cannot thank you enough for being a part of it. So for knowing and fine... This is Gerald Glassford. It's another beautiful day in paradise right here in the PCC Multiverse. We thank you for listening. And here's hoping you have yourself a great Hey everyone, this is Carrie the Metal Geek, and I would like to invite you to hang out with myself and my fellow Metal Geeks as we have all kinds of discussions about heavy metal, films and TV shows, video games, theme parks, comic books, and whatever else is tickling our geeks. Please visit our website at MetalGeeksPodcast.com and follow us on all the social medias including Twitter, Facebook, and Instagram at Metal Geeks. We are also proud members of ESO Network, so you can check everything out at esonetwork.com. Keep it metal, keep it geeky, stay safe, and see you on the next episode. You're listening to a Weeby Geeks Network podcast. This has been a broadcast of the ESO Network. Be part of the crew and help support our shows by donating to our ESO Patreon or by shopping through Amazon.com or the Tee Public Store, which can all be found at www.esonetwork.com. The ESO Network, your station for all things geek. Tangent Bound Network. Let your voice be heard. Tangentboundnetwork.com. Thanks so much for downloading the Pop Culture Cosmos and stay tuned as more great podcasts are on the way. Thanks again for listening to us here at the Pop Culture Cosmos.